0: Hi, I'm Peter Akerley, President and CEO of Erdine Resource Development. We're focused on a uh, gold project in Mongolia. In fact, a uh, very large new gold district called the Hundi Gold District, where we're approaching it with a uh, two-pronged strategy, effectively continuing to grow the resources with a target of 2 million ounces in 2022, while we enter into the construction period on our initial development of 65,000 ounce per year producer.
1: Hi, Peter. I haven't seen you since I think September, Um, but since we've spoken, you've been in and out of Mongolia. How did that go?
0: Yeah. Hi, Matt. Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, I've been back to Mongolia twice in in the latter part of 2021, first time in uh, almost two years. It was pretty smooth, although things are starting to change again with Omicron. There's been some new uh, restrictions put in place, but yeah, we're getting out of it. We're uh, we're slowly getting back to what will hopefully be normal in 2022.
1: And so, what are the restrictions um, in place? I mean, you've introduced us to some of the um, ministers in in country and some business people, and that's given us a good sense of the fact that Mongolia is a good place to do business. But you know, they've got to be responsible. They've got to do things the right way, like a lot of jurisdictions. So, you know, what, what are they putting in place?
0: Well, in terms of the COVID restrictions, um, they have been very careful. At the outset, they were um, one of the few countries in the world that had limited spread. That changed in the uh, second half of last year and they had significant spread with Delta and now Omicron. And they're pretty quick to put new restrictions in place um, with what's currently a 10-day quarantine period that's likely to extend into the first couple of months of 2022. And you also have the border issues in Mongolia, where with China's um, zero COVID policy, it's made for uh, fits and starts at the border in terms of transports of goods and materials. So that's something we're very uh, cautious of and uh, are taking a measured approach to how we start things up this year as we watch how that uh, situation unfolds, particularly at the Chinese-Mongolia border.
1: I mean, don't you feel under pressure from your shareholders to get things moving. You're talking the language of being like cautious and you know perhaps a staged approach to how you go about this. I mean, your shareholders are saying to you, just get this thing
0: built. Absolutely. Yes. You're you're absolutely right on that. We um, and we are of the same mindset. You know, we have in the last couple of months hired uh, new expat professionals who are in country, on the ground We just had a job fair on site in the local sub-province. We've opened a project office. So everything's happening according to our schedule, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that that China border issue could have a significant impact in terms of timing, delay, and therefore cost. And my primary responsibility is to protect shareholder value, to create returns but those delays could be very impactful and we need to understand those better. We need to see that border area opening up as we move into Q1, Q2. Um, but our, our schedule remains the same to get the first gold in 2023 and we're pushing forward with that plan. We have procurement works in place. So, yeah, just trying to be straight up about the fact that there are still issues at the border and uh, I want to be transparent with shareholders about that. We're anxious to get the first gold.
1: I mean, what's, what are the discussions going on internally here? Because there's, there's an arbitrage between saying, hey, let's get it, it may cost a little bit more to get into production now, right? But at least we get a re rate and we get some cash flowing, and that's going to be good for our shareholders and, and, and share price. Um, because you can't sit around and wait for the Chinese government to make its mind up. They, they may, they may, it may take a month, it may take two months, it may take six months. You don't know. You're not in control of that process. So, you know, what was the debate in, in, internally and, you know, what, what, you know which way is uh, siding?
0: So Just to be clear on that, we've never slowed things down yet. You know, We are at a point where we have seen a slowing of the process in terms of the issuance of permits in Mongolia. We had to wait for our public meetings last year, but we've effectively done everything we can to accelerate the process. Uh, the DEIA was issued in December. We had our stability agreement issued today. Um, we have continued to move through the procurement process. We ordered the um, commutation circuit in Q3, and just before Christmas, the gold room and illusion circuit, which are the two longest lead time items. We continue to work through major contracts and hiring. So we haven't looked at this as slowing anything down. It's just trying to be cautious of what's to come. Because when I look out at mid-2022, late 2022, and you have six, 700 construction workers on site and cranes waiting for delivery of equipment that has to come through that Chinese border, that's where you can really hit some significant cost overruns. And before we make full commitment to those processes, I want to make sure we understand the border. Issue um, clearly, so yeah, we haven't slowed things down. We're still gearing up to move at full speed, but I'm just uh, we're assessing the situation on a daily basis. You, You could be you could be looking at millions of dollars a day in delay costs if you find yourself in a situation where that Chinese border has remained closed. And that Chinese border has remained closed over the last several months as coal shipments have been delayed and things like this. So ideally we'll see it begin to open up as we move into the second quarter. That's my expectation, but let's see. I
1: mean, one of the big conversations of last year was around in inflation and is it, is it transitory and people saying, CEOs coming on, say, oh, my costs have gone up here and, you know, I'm finding people to find people, you know, shipping's more expensive, you know, which is." Which is, you know, interesting, but they're all coming on and, and, and repeating the same old thing here. Are you saying it's less? I understand that it's important, but it's less important in terms of the, the cost of the business than having six or seven hundred people sitting around waiting for, you know, supplies to be delivered and to be able to actually do any work.
0: I wouldn't say I'm not concerned about inflation because it's obviously a major impact for the mining industry and any industry in the uh, global. Environment we find ourselves in, I'm less concerned about it because of the robustness of this project. You know, we have an exceptionally high grade, very simple project that's going to produce forty million dollars a year in free cash flow at sixty-five thousand ounces per year. We're already seeing the ability to push well above that sixty-five thousand ounces based on our discoveries. So the project can certainly carry significant capital or operating cost fluctuations, which they'll probably be as we look at inflation. But no, I'm more concerned about those delays and seeing something happen that we could have been in control in a, at the outset, that we could have made a decision around. So just being cautious on that front.
1: Okay, so China obviously had a quite an eventful uh, year last year. Um, you know, I think with 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 US relations, etc. Um, people have talked about you know some of the decisions that they're making, which are influencing some of their partners around the world. Is China the only option for you? Couldn't you be getting you know? Can you be you know, serviced from other parts of the world? Is, is it more too too expensive to do that? Is it too timely? Can you just not get those get what you need elsewhere? I mean, why, why is China you know holding you up?
0: So it's not the only option. It's the least expensive option. Covid delays aside. But already in the last couple of months, we've looked at being able to source our structural steel from the smaller suppliers in Mongolia, for instance. We've looked at shipping in the gold room and elution circuit through Russia. So all those things are being assessed and they're doable. But you're measuring each of these major components um, in isolation to determine which ones you should make a decision around, whether it goes through China or otherwise. But either way, it's going to take longer than you would have expected at the outset pre-COVID.
1: Right. Okay. Look, I mentioned at the outset. I think since uh, since we spoke, you went and raised five million bucks on the Mongolian exchange. I think that's good news. It probably did you a couple of favors because you you had your um, your DEIA um, approved pretty shortly after uh, that. Um, You know what, what what. well, one was it easy to go and raise the five million bucks? Where did it come from? Was it institutional retail? I mean, what, what's the profile of that? And what does it what, what does it do for you? Because you, you could have raised the money elsewhere, couldn't you?
0: Sure. Yeah. So today we have seven thousand Mongolian shareholders. Uh, the 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 basis for the whole decision around listing on the Mongolian stock exchange was to increase our social license. You know, we've heard. For over a decade, Mongolians with influence say the foreign companies come to Mongolia and don't give our average um, investor an opportunity to invest in their own resources. So we took that to heart, we became the first dualistic company and now have done our second raise on the Mongolian stock exchange. You know, when I look at sourcing monies internationally versus sourcing money in Mongolia, there's much greater value in raising retail in Mongolia for the reasons I just stated. If we can share those benefits with thousands of Mongolian citizens, that's a great win for us, and we've seen that um, you know in the comments that have come back, the response we've had from politicians, from influential people in Mongolia, it's been a real success for us.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, one question is just on, on, on my mind. I should have I should have asked before we got off off the topic, which was with regards to um, costs for the build. You, we, we talked previously about fifty five million. Um, is that still going to be enough? Do you see costs uh, having increased, or have you been able to sort of, you know, um, get firm costs from suppliers?
0: So there's no question. There's been an increase, predominantly in the steel price. So when you look at steel indices over the past 18 months, they're up about 20 to 30 percent from where they were when we did our feasibility study. So you have to factor that into our overall capital costs, which will result in an increase. Uh, we're going through that final tendering process now. Our work package has gone out for all major components. So as we go through Q1, we'll get a better sense of what exactly that impact is. But yeah, we're dealing with an early 2020 price deck from the feasibility study. So 2-years later with COVID inflation, there will be an impact.
1: And Have you got a sense yet of what? We're talking about is it 5%, 10%, 25%?
0: It's hard for me to say until we see those numbers come in in Q1 and it's probably something that I should be you know, public with in a release when we update the project as opposed to trying to throw darts at it today. But there will, be, there will be an increase and you can use, you know, I think that the steel price probably ties into 30% of our capital costs. Um, so when you look at that index increase of twenty to thirty percent, you can do your own math on that. That's kind of the um, kind of a range of impacts. I okay, assume.
1: but it, but it's, it, it, I guess. And so, what, what was the? How much did you um, uh, allow within the fifty-five for? Uh, we had a ten.
0: We had a ten percent contingency on.
1: Great. Right, okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay, yeah, we, we we can go and do some numbers, or we will certainly do the numbers for our for our viewers um, after us. Okay, so um, so that that's 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 on that. With regards to um, this, you know, if I look if I look back at your share price last year, you kind of finished where you started. It's a fairly sort of erratic year uh, for you. I think people want you to get into production for obvious reasons. Um, you're talking very cautious language. Do you think that you are going to start getting into construction this year? I mean, how long are you prepared to wait?
0: So we're on the ground now. As I said, we just had a job fair in um, just before Christmas, and are hiring people who will start at site in the next few weeks. Our intention is to initiate early works, uh, road works, temporary camp, permanent camp, warehouse facilities. So. At this point, we remain on schedule to do what we said we were going to do. And uh, yeah, we expect to be into a heavy construction period as we move into the spring. Um, My expectation right now is we'll push into full construction in the middle part of 2022 and still aim for first gold as we move into mid-2023. So nothing has changed. It's just there's still uncertainty at that border.
1: Okay. Um, so and we mentioned the DEIA um approval coming through. You also put out an announcement um mm-hmm. today. Uh, with the to uh, 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 something else? Which we well, tell tell us what's the significance yeah, so, of it? So,
0: you know, the Mongolian government uh, a few years ago came out with what they called a tax stabilization certificate as part of their new investment law, and that's to provide investors with certainty that your royalties and taxes will remain level and uh, could get better from there if there's improvements through various changes to laws, but they can't get worse. So it's a tax stabilization certificate that was issued by the Mongolian Development Agency to us, and we just announced that this morning.
1: Right, and that's basically, in simple language, it's basically going kind to of lock in a maximum tax and royalty rate. Exactly. So you know where yeah. you stand. For,
0: for in our case, the life of mine. Right. Life of initially. Yeah.
1: Okay. So. So we're looking at um, 65,000 answers initially. You've indicated in this conversation that you think you might be able to get more because some of the, the drilling that you're you're doing and some of the the, the work um, done on uh, well U- U- Ulan and, and obviously Dark Horse. Um, right, so yeah. why don't you tell us about what, you know what ha- you have been doing there? Because think what, what what have you got? Because you had five million bucks last time we spoke in September. You've raised five million more recently. So the, the coffers are yeah, okay.
0: Shipping, we're sitting on about 7 million Canadian in cash today, and the burn rate is relatively low. We, um, we, we see that stretching us out into Q2 at the same time as we start to pull in first proceeds from the uh, debt financing. Um, but going to your question, we can come back to that, but going to your question about Dark Horse and our uh, projection for uh, production, the 65,000 ounces per year is that baseline we used in the feasibility study. The success we've had at Dark Horse in particular gives us a new resource at surface, which is high grade oxide and will be suitable for introduction to the CIP plant. You know, we're seeing zones that are averaging greater than five grams per ton sitting at surface, easily accessible 2.4 kilometers north. We also have a resource sitting at Nar, 16 kilometres north, that we know is also amenable to the CIP plant. So with those two sources, in particular Dark Horse, my plan is to reassess that production and sort of um, target more 75,000 to 80,000 ounces per year beginning in year two. And I think that's very, uh, we can be very confident about that based on what we see in front of us. So I've accelerated drilling at Dark Horse to get that to a measured indicated resource, the oxide zone. That drilling took place in November-December and that's now with the uh, lab or at least those samples. And that will quickly go to an independent to define that resource for us so we can introduce that into the financing discussions. The debt financiers and others will want to see that more with more certainty uh, and then add Alt and NAR to that. So yeah, I'm feeling very good about us Sort of changing from a sixty-five thousand base to a 75,000-80,000 base uh, fairly rapidly here as we move towards initial development.
1: Right. Okay. So, so people have um, seen these some sort of high grade headline numbers that you've been putting out in the press releases, I mean, they they are they're exceptional uh, grades, uh, and they're you know near surface high grade ox- oxides. Right. So. All very nice. But in the, in the context and in the spirit of what, how you're, you you've been with us is the, the kind of, cons- the conservative uh, uh, approach that you have. Let, let's talk to people about the ramp-up here. So you're looking to get into production in 2023, right? There's always a ramp-up period to these things. So when you say, use the phrase, we're targeting in in, in, in 2024, you know, 75,000 to 85,000, it's just that, it's targeting. You're not going to be producing 85000 ounces in 2024, right?
0: Oh, that's right. So the first 12 months in that ramp-up period was, if I remember correctly, about 35, 37, 37000 ounces in the first 12 months as you ramp-up. And then you're moving into that 60, 65000 ounce in the final in the next 12 months before you hit that steady state 75 80000 ounce.
1: Right. Okay. So so that, that's that's what people would be, would, be, would be buying into here. And again, coming coming back, coming back to um, you know, share price, uh, your your market cap, so et cetera, sitting around 135, 140 million market cap. Um, you know, to, today and I say kind of Fairly, fairly, fairly erratic and spiky year. But you, you, how do you characterize your performance last year? Actually, that I've been shaked.
0: You know, we've been very uh, pleased with the performance this year. When you look at our peers, if you look at the uh, indices that track the gold stocks, it's been um, it's been a good performance. You know, we're we're up a few percentage points, but when you look at the rest of the industry in our peer comparison, down twenty to forty percent. That's uh, so we're quite happy with it.
1: Okay, fine. So, but you're going you're going to need to deliver stuff. So, talking about people are going to have to either buy into where we are prepared to have a staged approach or hold off on commencement of construction because it's the best thing for shareholders. People are going to need to understand that. Rather than, as you say, going off and, and spending spending the money kind of casually here, so you, there's going to be a narrative in the market, right? You're going to have to control that.
0: I don't see a uh, a postponement. I see perhaps an additional two to three months of slowdown while we get to production. Um, so instead of mid 2023, it's late 2023. That's that's the risk that we see in front of us today. The The ultimate objective here is we found what I believe to be one of the top new gold districts in the world. You know, we're targeting 2 million ounces this year. I see this as a multi-million ounce discovery. I've been at this for a long time. I'm tremendously excited about what we see. And I truly believe we're going to see this as something that's producing 150 to 200,000 ounces per year as we get out into the three to five-year timeframe. This really is that initial startup. That allows us to provide investors with the safety or security that we have cash flow coming in. And we don't have to worry about that dilution as we move forward. So this is really a foundation being built to access what I think is one of the best new discoveries I've seen in my career.
1: Okay. So and again, I just, just want people to be really clear about what you were doing. Getting get, trying to get into production soon. You also talk about targeting two million ounces in 2022. It's a nice symmetry to that to, to, to that conversation. But you're seven and a half million bucks in the bank. Um, where are you today in, in terms of um that number and what what how many additional answers do you need to find? And are you gonna to need to raise some more money to be able to do that?
0: So I see our shareholder base is very uh, supportive and very supportive of continuing to grow ounces. So alongside of whatever we do with the final financing package, I expect to see dollars available for expiration, but I'm not suggesting we go out and do measured indicated resource drilling for 2 million, 3 million ounces. I'm looking to get my arms around the size of this system. And you know, when you look at it today, we can pretty much see 2 million ounces. You know, when you look at the unconstrained resources at Alton and NAR by Hyundai and these two new discoveries, it's in our, our sites. Um, so it's not going to take a whole lot of drilling to sort of get our arms around that from an inferred basis, let's say. And then your table's set for what you want to do in the future when you do have that cash flow and you want to pull them into reserves and spend that additional money to bring it into confidence that you can then develop. Um, but I really do see this as also just the beginning. The two million ounces that is in our sites. Now, much of it we've just discovered in the last 12 months we have two fantastic new discoveries in a short period of time unlimited expiration dollars so I just continue to get more excited about what's in front of us
1: has anything changed with the to the financing well whether it be construction or uh, in terms of like new audiences looking looking at you given that you're near near-term producer um, for on the, on the equity side as well I mean
0: yeah so we have multiple discussions going on uh, for I guess, various sources of uh, complementary financing to the e- EDC uh, senior debt financing. That includes sub-debt, it includes equity, it includes um, project-level investments, includes a whole raft of things. And yes, there's strong interest in this. I, I don't see too many projects shovel-ready in the Gold industry around the world, particularly ones with this type of grade. So, it is attracting a good level of interest. And you know, we, I have no concerns about being able to finance this. It's finding the best route, again, to protect shareholders' uh, value.
1: Okay. It, it, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, not, I think that's the thing investors sometimes forget in, 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 whilst investing in juniors is the fact that not many companies actually become mines, um, harder than it sounds. Um, with regards to the type. Of money, though I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by this because we were having conversations over over at Christmas with one company. He's got a you know great world class asset, but it's gone kind of got itself an industry partner, which kind of um, I think my my uh, explorer uh, my um, analyst used a very t- less than charming phrase about what that what that does, but it, it kind of blocks uh, interest from elsewhere. Um, so you've got to be careful about where the money comes from and the type of money. We've talked previously about, you know, development, export, development, and um, Canadian money. But do you think you're going to see more money coming out of Mongolia available to you?
0: You know, it's interesting. There's been a tremendous amount of wealth generated in Mongolia over the last uh, decade uh, amongst a, a large number of investors, and we see that with the monies that was available to us in our um, in our uh, private placement, which was oversubscribed. We are in discussions with both commercial banks and with um, companies in Mongolia that are expressing strong interest in being partners or investing in the project. In fact, you know one of the strongest areas of uh, interest is coming out of that uh, that country.
1: Interesting. interesting. Okay. Um, and and does do it cost any more? coming out of there? or Are they just pleased to actually? Well, it depends.
0: I mean, we're looking at various structures to that, you know, from equity through to debt, through partnerships, you know, the Mongolian wealth, much of it has been generated in the mining industry through coal mining, exports to China, alluvial gold mining. Um, So many of these companies are experienced in the mining industry, and we're looking at things where they may provide services and may invest alongside of that. Um, So different structures, different costs, obviously.
1: Right, but you're, you're looking to, you're not looking to outsource, um, the, you're looking to employ I know just that you, you've opened an, uh, an office in Ulaanbaatar um, yourselves, but how do you go about employing people? Are there any difficulties or nuanced differences between doing business elsewhere?
0: You know, The Mongolian mining industry has matured significantly over the last 20 years, particularly the last 10 years when you took employing you know, 10,000 people. Uh, many of the coal mining companies are um, have Western contract mining providers or are listed in Hong Kong. So, yeah, I think there's been a majority brought into that uh, industry that leaves it in a place where it's not that different from doing business elsewhere. You know, we'll go through a contract mining type arrangement where the contract miner will bring in probably a third of our total employees. Um, yeah, but nothing to... Uh, unique versus other jurisdictions.
1: Okay, so you you, you sound like you, you feel you're in control as much as you can be in mining. Um,
0: I think everything you know from what we anticipated at the beginning of 2021 to look at what we accomplished on permits, financing, construction readiness, exploration success. It's been tremendous. It's really just where are we going with COVID? You know what's going to happen in the next several months, and you know I'm, I'm optimistic. But outside of that, it's been a very good year.
1: Right. And so, when, what would you say to existing shareholders who are perhaps a little bit feeling a little bit testy? They're feeling um, a, a, a little bit um, un, un- unloved because it's taken a long time to get here. I mean, wh- 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 mm-hmm. what would your message to them be? And what would your message be to new investors looking at what it is that you've got?
0: Well, I guess the first thing is our our interests are aligned. You know, myself, the management team, and the board are all heavily invested in this company. We have the same um, objectives as you do to get to first goal to see a re-rating through that production, which typically in our industry, all things being equal in the gold market, should be a two to three times re-rating of the value of the company. But the big price here is what we've discovered in this district. I truly believe we have a multi-million ounce discovery. And as that begins to unfold, that two to three times is going to increase by another two or three times multiple. So, you know, we're in this to see this company's share value increase by eight to ten times where it is today, based on what I see as the potential of this district.
1: Okay. And what your thoughts on the gold market obviously had a pretty tricky last four months of the year, last year. Are you seeing that continuing?
0: You know, I think you have to step back from what's happened over the last year. There's been a lot of influences due to um, you know, the, the US situation in terms of the currency. But when you stand back and look at gold over the last five to 10 years, it's been on a significant upward trend. And I see that continuing. Um, you know, am I going to predict that we're going to $3,000 gold? No. But do I think we're in this range of $1,800 to $2,200 gold? Yes. I think that's a reasonable place for us to be as we move through the next year.
1: Every day of the week, I'd take that. Um, Peter, good to catch up with you. Um perhaps you can come back on and we can get have a little dive down into um the expiration component. I'm intrigued because I can I can let you get away with some big big statements there about what what you think you've got. I wanna sort of see how you're how you're gonna approach it. Um and you know, and and how you plan that out. You know, how, how many drills, how much money, et cetera. So maybe that's one for next time. Okay. Um appreciate your time today. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Matt. Yeah, we never did get to talk about the Ulan discovery, and that's part of the optimism, but I'll save that as a teaser for next time.